Hello and welcome to the 112th episode of the Holtcast with me, James Rushton. As usual, we've got a mixed edition to bring you today. We've got goals, drama, joy and despair. And today I analyse the action of the past week. I'm delighted to bring on Ronson Brown. How are you doing, mate? Good afternoon. How are you? Oh, good. It's raining over here. Um, I've heard it's not so bad over there in Canada. Yeah, I got just a couple of clouds and a, it's actually a bit of a nice day. It's been raining. Like this whole summer, it's just been rain. So... Um... Like weekends are always just thunder and lightning, so it's nice we actually have a weekend where it's not going to rain. Yeah, and um, how are you following Villa at the moment? Is it through the AVTV live thing? Yeah, a little bit. It's it's been obviously a lot tougher in in Championship, but we used to get quite a few games on the TV, and um, that was always that was really good to follow on. But yeah, lately it's just been kind of streams where you can or a Periscope when you can. Yeah. So. Uh... As I said, it's been a bit of a mixed week, hasn't it? That first match of the week on Tuesday, it didn't go well. Uh, Reading beat Villa by two goals to one in a match that Villa failed to get a pair of hands on. Until it was... uh, I think we started to kick in at about 75 minutes, and it's too late to get started then. How did you feel about that? Yeah, that that was a game where I think people went a little bit nuts after, but almost rightfully so in a couple of situations, where... You, you don't want people to kind of overreact, but when you kind of no. see the product that they kind of put out there, you kind of go, well, geez, this is not even close to acceptable, right? Like possession was, was what, 33%? It was, it was low. Yeah. I, I'd venture to say it was lower, I feel. Certainly um, so I've got the, the stats up on the, the Villa app, and they, they listed at 33, and I, I feel like it might be even less than that. I think, yeah, I think that's generous. Um, if it is 33, I won't argue, but it didn't feel like that at all. It felt like they barely touched the ball. Um, I think there was a, fo- a false stat going around about them having 20 passes or so in, in 40 minutes. I think that's impossible. Um, even You can't be that bad. No. Um, that was not a good game. Um, and for many reasons, I think people are too quick to attach the banner of defensive football onto that, but... Even with defensive football, I think you're still looking to score, aren't you? And it's more patient. That was we were just going gung ho. I felt we were kicking ninety yard balls up the pitch, trying to score. Yeah, it didn't it didn't really work out. Not much worked out on the day. Yeah, do you think do you think a lot of that had to do with a hangover from the Cardiff match? Oh well, we got slammed by Cardiff and they're keeping up the form, apparently. Um yeah. Alex Carson on Twitter, Crash Carson, he follows the uh, stats and the expected goals, obviously, because it's part of his uh, his columns and articles at seventy five hundred to halt. And he says that it's Cardiff that look like they're the team to beat at the moment. So, yeah, yeah I think we just got beat by a good team, really, and uh, we couldn't recover. Yeah. The Cardiff match wasn't acceptable, don't get me wrong, but that Reading match was uh, it was there for the taking. That's yeah. the most upsetting thing. I about almost, it. it almost felt like it was a hangover from that other loss where yeah, they just hadn't gotten up yet. And um, there was actually something I saw on, on Twitter by uh, the Villa Gorilla. This was on the, the 14th of August where... Uh, he said that Lambert's we go again culture has created an apathy after a loss. Uh, Keen mentioned it now. Bruce has a player apathy thing that's really killing people. And that was something that I kind of thought of where after they got demolished by, by Cardiff Reading, there was, there was almost like they just were heartbroken, you know? Yeah. Um, there was a lot of changes. Um, we saw Richie Delat come in. We saw Berker Bjarnason starts. Andre Green came in as well. I think after he was, he didn't, he wasn't really starting. Was he in those first few games? Um, I think that's the majority of the changes. And it, Connor Hurahan played as well, and we'll get onto his form later because he's certainly an exceptional player. But we we did rotate a lot for that Reading game, 
and nothing really came off at all. And I'm not sure what the plan was going into that because, as I said, it didn't seem like defensive football because we weren't willing to hold on to the ball and, and, and be patient. It seems, it, you know, it's the irony is it was more attacking because we wanted to get that ball as fast as, as quickly to the goal as possible. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't coming off for us. Um, One thing I will uh, talk about on this match is uh, Andre Green had a, what many assume to be a golden opportunity to give Villa the lead early on. But um, the expected goals ratio on that was, it was like point, 0. 0.5, uh, 0.05 in fact, so not even half of a 1% of a goal. Be expected from that, and uh, Steve Bruce has hung his hat on that. That's something that uh, damned Villa on the occasion, and oh. I don't think that's very fair. Oh, are we still there? Yeah, hello. No, sorry, just uh, I got I went silent there for a minute. Oh, I was speaking about Andre Green. Did you catch that? Um, yeah, that you were saying that change. he uh, with the expected, but uh, I just cut off right after that. So, do you mind uh, picking up there? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Andre Green, um, he had a guilt-edited chance to, quote-unquote, as uh, Steve Bruce said, where he was through on goal and it looked like it should have went in, um, but it didn't. And uh, the expected goal ratio on it was 0. 0.05, um, which isn't anywhere close to being a goal you'd expect to happen. For even, um, we can see that for expected goals. And he's hung yeah. his hat on that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Was, yeah. And I think he was he was somebody who really came out yesterday and, and made a point that um, that Reading wasn't going to be the standard and it was going to be the exception, which is, I think, brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that's fair to say because, um, you know, that Cardiff match was bad. And if, if there's a match worse, it was a Reading match. I don't think we've seen Villa play that poor in a, in a long a long time. I mean, Villa have been bad for a while, don't get me wrong, Ronson. But no, I... I don't think, I, I can't remember seeing something like that. Yeah, we've. I mean, it's been bad in a lot of places, but that one was just so downtrodden of an effort right and i i just i really i know i'm, I'm almost repeating myself but I, I feel like they were just almost distraught after after cardiff and they were still on yeah. the road if if that game had been at home i think villa park would have given them you know quite a bit of extra energy and i think that's going to be a huge part for the rest of the season moving forward but but yeah to have to go back to back on the road after a really bad loss um it just it felt like it was you know part of the disease right yeah, but it's almost like a cancer, isn't it? This uh, this lost culture, this losing culture at Villa. And hopefully we're turning that around. We'll come on to the Norwich game later. But directly after that Reading game, a lot of pressure fell onto the shoulders of Steve Bruce. So people wanted his head to roll. Do you reckon that's natural to feel that way, Ronson? Or did we come to a conclusion too quick? Uh, both. I, I think both were completely fair. Mm. And I think there were examples of people who were putting stats out that would say, you know, Bruce should be fired that I think made sense in some way, shape or form. But in other cases, yeah. I think it was a little bit too much. And so uh, Villazone on Twitter tweeted on the 16th that his first 40 games as the as the Villa boss were 16 wins, eight draws, and 16 losses. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily fair to really throw last year into into this season because it's a new team. There's a lot of new players in. There's been a preseason, so I think you do have to give him a bit of a clean slate. But you can't ignore old tactics and the same things that happen over and over again. I just don't know if we have enough of a sample size after Cardiff and Reading to say definitively one way or another that change won't take place. Yeah, I mean, as you can say, it's fair for people to want to expect change because we've, we've, we've lost his and uh, bad form. 
you do expect changes to happen. We see managers get sacked for little things these days. And uh, Steve Bruce, that start wasn't good at all. And, you know, we can go back to the, the back end of last year, even in the start of 2017, and add it all up together and say, this is not good enough. I think we need to come to separate that from now because, as you said, it's a different team. A lot's happened. And we need to get to October and assess then rather than assessing now, which could be far too early. There's a lot to uh, there's a lot to take in about that. Um, one thing I will say though is I think a lot of fans are quick to dismiss the opinions. There's two opinions about this really. There's either you don't want Bruce to be in, and you want Bruce to stay, or you want to get more time to give him. And there's a kind of middle ground in between those. But I think um, based on the evidence of the Reading fans, people would have felt stupid saying I want Bruce to stay. And uh, based on the evidence of the Norwich match, which we'll come on to. People say you're an idiot for wanting Bruce out. So uh, I think we need to find some kind of middle ground where we need to discover what's acceptable yeah. for the manager, really. Ta- what we need to think about is... Uh... Sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, I was going to say tactics aside, I think the thing that really concerned me was his comments after the other match where he was saying he couldn't get the balance right. And he really came across like he was defeated personally and he just didn't seem to have an answer. Yes. And that, I thought, was really, really a bad sign because you want him to come across to the media, the players, the organization, and other teams that he knows what's going on and he has answers for these things. Even if he doesn't, I would rather him lie about it and say that he knows exactly what he needs to change instead of admitting that he didn't really have an answer. So that was where I was really concerned. And then when it kind of comes down to saying that, oh, tactics this and tactics that, that's a huge part of it as well. However, I think with, you know, Kodja being out, and Yednak being out, Grealish being injured for quite a while, I think you kind of have to look at the first couple of games of the season as under a grain of salt, you know? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a difficult one because you can understand why people would want Bruce out, and you can definitely understand why people would want Bruce in, but the balance things and the things he comes out with after a match are quite weird. Like, this is this should be this is Steve Bruce's biggest job. This is his hardest task as well. Um, there's a lot of expectation on him. Um, he's obviously getting compensated well, and this is, you know, success here comes rewarded with reputation, financial, you know, treasures yeah. and all that. This isn't, you know, he's he's not suffering, he's not a victim, and he's not a prisoner of Aston Villa. He can leave at any time he wants. And uh, after the Cardiff game, especially, and after the Reading game, he seemed like, as you said, defeated. And I don't, I don't want that from Steve Bruce. If anything, we hired him to be the opposite of that. And that did strike me out as something being incredibly weird. Like, is he going to resign? Yeah, I thought the same. And it it kind of felt like the opposite of a Tim Sherwood moment, you know, because Tim Sherwood was very brash and bold-chested with a lot of the things. And I think that really sold a lot of people on on personality, right? I mean, everyone says Tim Sherwood's favorite person is Tim Sherwood. But in, yeah. in, in sports, sometimes that's not a bad thing, right? Like, it's it's a confidence that inspires. So... Um, I, that's why I was really concerned with with Bruce after after that other game because I thought, oh, he's either going to walk or you know the chairman's going to see it and absolutely loathe those comments, which I'm sure he wasn't happy about either. No, because it did feel like giving up. You know, when we we lost to Leicester, that turnaround in 2015 was it the three two, and Sherwood came out to the press conference and he was defeated, he was distraught, he was he was destroyed. I mean, he was red in the face. Um, he looked like he'd been crying, in fact. Yeah. And uh, that took a, a lot of the Sherwood spirit out, which is all he is, really. There's not much plan to him. It's all it's all gusto, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's, the wind's taken out of his sails. There's not much left. 
No, exactly. And, and I think that's something that as a manager, you have to make sure you maintain, right? Because there are so many different facets to how you come across in pre-match and post-match that um, can make or break you, I think. Yes, certainly. And uh, Bruce wasn't looking like the manager we wanted after Reading and after Cardiff. It was two matches in a row. And he did lash out a bit at the press and maybe the fans a little bit, saying some of the things said about him were vile. I don't I don't really see that, to be honest. I just see a lot of fans who are kind of fed up with how things are going and that he didn't see that there was a manager that believed in the team, believed in himself or believed in the fans, Ronson. Yeah, and there there is something, a, a quote someone here said that I think is really applicable where they said, all they want, all fans want is someone to come in and win. And if you can't do that, they want someone different. And yeah. you shouldn't be you upset if I win. That. Yeah, you either win or you look good trying to win, or you have a plan. And it didn't look like Bruce was in any of those positions. He kind of looked like a man who didn't know what direction he wanted to go, nor the direction he wanted to take the club. And that was quite frustrating. And uh, we didn't hear much from his uh, higher-up, Tony Shaw either, the uh, chairman of Aston Villa, until quite late on, when he came out with a, on a philosophical tangent, didn't he, Ronson? Yeah, and it was something that I think really speaks to where he is organisationally. And it's a little eccentric, you know, simply quoting page and verse yeah. from a book, you know, and then you know, looking onto Twitter to find somebody who actually has the book or an excerpt. But <laughs> like, if he could just come out and say exactly what he thinks, that would be good. But I mean, for now, it gives us something to kind of go on about. But um, he said the difference between leaders and the average is constant. Uh, if leadership performance is high, the average goes up. So in there, I think he's kind of saying that um, if he and Bruce and his team are performing well enough, everyone around them will. Uh, and the effective executive here where he's talking about himself uh, says that uh, he needs to know that it's easier to raise the performance of one leader, i.e. Steve Bruce in this example, than it is to raise the performance of the whole. So that way he's saying that if he can raise Steve Bruce or the manager to a better standing or a better performance than everyone else around coaching staff, players and everything like that will go up as well. Um, so then it says that he must make sure that he puts into leadership uh, the kind of standard setting performance making person who has the strength to do the outstanding. So in that case, I think it's a bit of an endorsement of Steve Bruce because he is obviously still in his position saying that he is the right person for the job and that way he and Bruce need to do a better job with the players, not necessarily making a revolving door here. Yeah, and I mean, I like to see communication from the higher-ups, especially when it's on such a thoughtful level as that. Wouldn't you agree, Ronson? Yeah, and one of the things I thought was interesting is I think he picked his, his words very, very carefully because he went a couple of days without you know going on Twitter or social media. And he's somebody who is very active on those, those platforms, so you know what was very calculated? I would have rather him kind of sat in front of a camera or, or written something himself and said, you know, where he was and what he thought was going on, what he thought needed to happen. But instead, he, you know, kind of just posted page number and publication and said, figure it out yourself. So it kind of gave us something to do some detective work on, which I guess was kind of fun yeah. in its own way, but it's, it's eccentric in its own sense. But um, I think it speaks volumes as to where we kind of should put ourselves. Um, you know, it, it does show that he took time before kind of reacting as well, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Tony is a guy who likes puzzles. We know that from the emojis. We know that from the equations. We know a lot about him now. He's uh, a thoughtful man. And uh, I know, as I said, he comes, he comes out fist swinging. 
last year. He seems a bit more angry now. He seems a bit more thoughtful and a bit more measured. And I think that's good for the whole club, really, because uh, we saw Di Matteo getting sacked quite quickly into the season last year. I mean, it seemed like a long time he was here, but it was only 10, 12 games. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I, I think last year's uh, Tony would have pulled the trigger on Bruce by now. But I think we're all better off for a manager sticking around for a, a, at least a little bit longer. And I mean, that Norwich game we'll come on to now. Uh, we benefited from Steve Bruce being fired up. That match went a lot better. Now, before we get into the meat of it, I want to know what your expectations were for this game. I was really thinking it was going to be a 2-1 win. I honestly, I didn't think it was going to go as well as it did, and I don't think anybody did. But I figured being back at Villa Park, I thought that they would have a real opportunity to come out and be a lot better, right? So yeah. um, the fact that they were able... I, I watched the highlights again this morning, and boy, it could have been like 7-4, I think, with a little bit of luck on either side. Yeah. Um, I, I think we still would have won even if we had some bad luck. But with, with luck... You know, on both sides, it, it could have been seven four, not just four two. So that's good as well that you know they didn't hit a bunch of crossbars and we got a little bit lucky. You know, we had some bad luck as well. So I think that that's a good omen moving forward. What about Keenan Davis? Oh, brilliant! Right? Yeah. I, like, brilliant. there's. I think he deserves at least an honorable mention goal there. Um, I think he was a huge part as to why you know Connor Horhan had so so many great chances, and I think even. Uh, Henry Lansbury deserves uh, deserves fair mention. I thought he yeah. uh, did a really good job on uh, certainly Horhan's second goal um, to just distribute the ball there at that end of the pitch. Very smart. And um, I think it was good to see Horhan score three goals, in fact, the hat-trick. And we haven't seen that at Phillip Park. I think the stat was there the other day. It was 12,000 or so days, 9,000 days since the midfielder scored a goal. Um, no, not like a goal. Seems like that. A hat-trick. For Villa and uh, Conor Horan certainly uh, shown a bit of that Barnsley form. I think we're all better it's, off and stuff like that. It's beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time that it's something we got to see and, and celebrate, but something that we haven't seen so often yeah. before. So hopefully it's a sign of things to come, but hopefully we don't have to wait to, too long again for it to happen. Does that mean the ghost of Christian Benteke is finally banished? Hopefully. That'd be <laughs> nice. Well, uh, that's it, Davis more so the ghost of Fabian Dalf. I'm on a... Yeah, exactly. And actually, I thought uh, Keenan Davis reminded me a little bit in a way of uh, Callum O'Hare, just with yeah. with being young and being from the youth team and something that I think they'll have to really, really take advantage of with financial fair play rules. They need to have contributions from those young kids who, you know, they're not going to cost you a transfer fee or, or anything like that. So to be able to bring them up and develop them is only going to help them. I think a smart club makes good use of the people who aren't wanted by their parent clubs, but they also yeah. uh, they look within and promote. And I think that's something we've seen with Davis. We've took him from Biggleswade, and he was kicked out of Stevenage because he didn't fit the model and he wasn't strong enough or talented enough. And he bossed a championship game against Norwich, and I think that's uh, quite a thing to say. Now, it's not it's not exactly Premier League football. You know, it's not City United. It's not coming on in like that cauldron, but he's come on against Norwich and he's played really well. And I think that's something to be really, really proud of. A, sp- a standing ovation in your first game, being applauded off the pitch. That's yeah. special. That's special. And uh, uh, Hurahan, yeah. you know, it's a shame that uh, Hurahan had to play so good because that was Davis's match. That was Keenan Davis's match. Uh, great team. Um, with all the positives, though, I think there's a few negatives, and I don't want to be the party pooper here, but Villa's defending on the day wasn't that great. I mean, I think letting two goals in, it was very, in a, in a way, it's a bit fair to Norwich 
as you said, it could, on any other day, it could have been about 7-4. But uh, I think we were caught out for their goals. And taking Alan Hutton off when he did was quite a semi-masterstroke by Bruce. Yeah, I thought Hutton, at, certainly at that point in time, needed to come off. And yeah. hadn't he, have, I thought it would have been 3-3 before we knew it. So that was a really good move there. I, I, I'm not crazy about Hutton myself, but the fact yeah. that we responded to each goal that they scored and didn't kind of shit our pants really, really gave me some <laughs> hope, especially for the home games we have coming up, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Norwich is the one you want to win because it, in the perfect world, it's a six-point, and Norwich are a team who should, by all accounts, be at the upper end of the championship table. Losing against them is just going to do your promotion hopes damage uh, in more ways than one. A, you're going to lose on those three points, and B, you're giving them straight to someone who's going to you're going to be competing with. Um, Villa's defending, uh, mainly Alan Hutton on that right side was bad because at a point, um, Cameron Jerome and Josh Murphy, I believe it was, but I was just cu- getting behind him and calling for the ball, screaming for it, begging, please Pep, put me through because I'm going to do him. And they did, and uh, very lucky to not have conceded a, a few when he was on the pitch. He was taken off for James Bree. Then another thing happened. Um, they found the perfect ball right to right through to Oliveira on their team. And John Terry was in no man's land. And I think we don't want to see that from someone so experienced. I mean, you can say it's a great cross in that he got caught out by, but it's John Terry, isn't it? Yeah, there was there was one where you kind of look at it a little bit slowly and he kind of tries to make a jump for it and yes, just does one, not yeah. have the... Yeah, it's like trying to watch, like, what is he, 36? Trying to watch a 36-year-old man jump or something? Yeah, if it's Chris was Sandler it? or Nathan Baker, six foot three Nathan Baker, if he gets to it, but John Terry isn't. It's, it's, that's the goal as well, that's their second goal. And I think John Terry, we've bought him to be so much better than that. And a lot of people won't see that and they'll say John Terry had a good game. and I won't disagree, but um, he's been bought as an upgrade and so far it looks like it's the same if not a little, tiny bit worse, just a tiny bit worse. I think uh, we we looked secure at the back last season, and I think that the, our defence last season was one of our few highlights, apart from Kodja and Yedinak. And I completely agree. It doesn't seem the same this year. And I hate to say, I, I just don't think this John Terry thing needs a bit more, I think it needs a bit more time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's his, his first handful of games with a club yeah. that isn't Chelsea and, and you know England internationally ever mm. so you know I think you need to give him a little bit more time it's it's yeah. a new place and um it's only been a handful of matches too right like there's there's so much yet to come and it's only the second match at Villa Park of the year so yeah. it's it's not like we can write it off as you know game 15 or 16 so um I think he gets a kind of a pass on this one, but I think it's an, an error that should be accredited that, you know, kind of, if it doesn't get any better, we can point to this as the beginning, but I think he has to be given an opportunity to at least kind of get his roots kind of moved. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. Uh, it's just a shame that it just seemed like the weak link for most of their chances was Alan Hutton, but when Terry needed to step up, he wasn't able to, unfortunately. But yeah, as I said, I think you can only give him time and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Uh, but yeah, if it works out, I mean, we've got John Terry at the back and that's not something to complain about at all. Um, do you have a favourite part of that Norwich match? I think there was a lot of highlights. Oh, the Andy Green goal was something spectacular, wasn't it? Yeah, perfect. Um, that was a great finish and you can't really appreciate it when you're sitting behind the goal in the whole end. I think that's a perfect TV goal. That was a really good angle on that camera. Pretty sweet. How, um, how, how much do you reckon that Hurricane's uh, second goal deflected on that one? That was... At first, obviously, because it was shooting up towards the north stand, so it was away. 
And when I saw it, I said, I turned to my dad and went, that didn't, that, did that go in? Because it looked yeah. like you sit, you, one behind when he pulls his foot back and has a shot and you see the ball before it deflects and you're like, oh, it's going towards the keeper. Then, oh, no, it's up and over and in. So, yeah, I think that was quite a hearty deflection for that second goal. Yeah, I think uh, with the with the green with the green goal, I think that's got to be probably their their goal of the of the year so far. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, my favorite goal on the day was Green's goal. Certainly, I, f- I thought that second goal of, from Hurahan would have been my favorite, but it turns out it took a massive deflection. So I was like, "That's an insane curve, is that? How did that go in?" But yeah, it turns. I out thought the same. Yeah, big deflection. Um, that Andre Green goal was something spectacular, though. Really good finish, and I mean. He's come close so many times. And there's a chance later he should have buried as well. It was another point blank header. And, uh, no. but yeah, you know, he got his goal in front of the whole end and it helped us win. I can't complain about that. Uh, any other positives? I thought that Al Mohamedy looked good on the wing and he should have had a goal as well. I'll crush it off the crossbar late on. Um, um, actually, you know, well, we did take a minute to kind of criticize John Terry there, but there was one opportunity where Alan Hutton just got turnstiled. And yes. uh, Terry had a really good clear. I yeah, thought I mean, he had a really good clear. Yeah, if we're gonna have to, if we're gonna criticize him, we need to highlight what he's done good at. And I think it, a lot of what he brings to Villa is some kind of it's measure and patience. I mean, sometimes he's that captain leader, leader, legend figure who'll rush to the midfield to clear a header and get himself injured. But it's also a lot of measure and patience, and I think that's something that we'll be, begin to be able to appreciate more on as we go on. Uh, but yeah. I think Alan Hutton, he was getting he was getting writ off that entire game. So certainly later on, he seems to just lose it and just switch off. And uh, James Bree brought a bit of more balance to it, and that was good to see because we could have went under. Yeah, uh, like I, like I said, when it was three two, I was really concerned. I was sweating yes. there, sitting watching, and and I'm sure you've kind of probably felt the same because they did give a a bit of a go, but we really responded really really well, and that's what's given me a lot of hope because. Um, not to get ahead of ourselves, but um, three out of our next four matches are at Villa Park. Yes, so uh, I mean, we've got the away game at Bristol. I think it's Brentford, Middlesbrough. So yeah, they're quite tough, aren't they? Actually, yeah. Really got after this international break, we've really got to hit the ground for our feet running, so to speak. Any final thoughts on Norwich? Yeah, I think just the fact that we were able to respond to the to the two goals and didn't kind of sit back or fall apart is the best thing that we can we can kind of rely on. And the fact that we could have even had a few extra, you know, it's not like the four yeah. were, um, you know, not deserved. So exactly, it was a good win all round. I think there's some definite definite negative to take from it, but it's a first match um, we've had for a long time where the the positives are there to see. It's clear, and uh, I can't be more happier than that. Yeah, and like like you said earlier, like the fact that Keenan Davis could have probably had two himself, not to mention Horahane probably could have had five. Um, yeah. That's just so perfect. And Callum O'Hare, who I've been a big big supporter of early on, hasn't hadn't given it a chance yesterday. So maybe in the future we do see a, a combination of of O'Hare and Davis and um, Koja when he's when he's fit. And we're we're gonna get Yednak back in the next coming days. So. I don't think there's there's anywhere to go but up for this club. I oh, know, fingers crossed. I mean, we've come to this turn point a lot, haven't we? Um, 
we thought that things are looking up and it doesn't seem out. But hopefully this will be our time to finally look up. And hopefully we carry that form on to our next game in Wigan. Uh, it's the second round of the Carabao Cup at home on Tuesday, the 22nd of August. We play Wigan Athletic at home. Ronson, what do you want from this game? Um, continued hope. I'd like to see you know some of the some of the youth kind of come through and and show us why they should continue to play in the uh, in the league. Yes, certainly. I mean, we can't. There's not too much we can pin on the Carabao Cup game, especially in these early rounds, because you know it could go either way. Um, Colchester should have beat us. To be completely blunt, in that away game, that was a. Uh, a bit of a back and forth match, um, but where we got Wigan at home, this should be a win. Uh, nothing can be guaranteed. I'd like to see Callum O'Hare grab the start. I'd like to see a bit more from Scott Hogan, maybe. I think he'll maybe get a little home. bit less rain. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if the weather's all right, that'd be good. Uh, hopefully, lower the risk of uh, any injuries. And yeah, I mean, a, a good cup run's good for the team. I think losing now is just, you know, it's not in the league, and you don't lose any points, but you don't want to just keep this losing culture going. You need to get a win. No, yeah, that's that's the nail on the head there. And I remember a while ago when we when we bowed out of the cup, and I think we were still it was two years in the prim, and we kind of there was a notion that oh well now we don't have to worry about FA Cup matches, and I thought well then that's not a worry if you're winning. Yeah, right. No, yeah, exactly. And people are like, oh, we don't want to win the cup because then we get European games, and I think that's something you worry about when you've won the fucking cup. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> if you don't yeah. win the cup, then you just can create this losing culture you know we went out the first round against Luton that's not something to be proud of last year and if we went out against Colchester that wouldn't have been something to be proud of and if we go out yeah, if we lose to Wigan on Tuesday that isn't something to be happy about you can go oh we can concentrate on the league now there's a lot of games but we've got about four teams we've got four teams worth of squad depth in our uh, squad right now we can field a team without any injuries in this cup so yeah I don't it's not something I'm particularly bothered about but you know, I wouldn't want to lose. I wouldn't go, oh, we can concentrate on the league now. It's a minor yeah, it's, benefit. It's easier to build off of a win than it is off of a loss, obviously. And I think that was the thing with the, the Reading matches. It was kind of leftovers from, from Cardiff. And hopefully uh, Wigan can be the leftovers from Norwich, where we continue to, you know, maybe just miss the crossbar and actually get it in the net. Exactly. And I mean... If you get to see Callum O'Hare start in that 10 position, if you get to see a bit more from Keenan Davis or even Scott Hogan, you know, that's not bad. That's not bad going at all. Um, you know, it's our brightest stars from the youth at the moment, Keenan Davis and O'Hare especially. And that's really good to see. At the moment, I believe Wigan are flying in the league. Um, one goal against, seven goals for, three games, one out of three, with nine point, points as they go into this match. So, yeah, I mean, expect a, bit of, a tiny bit of difficulty, I feel. And we couldn't really do Wigan in last year. Um, they seemed like a team to kind of last out, last out to the final whistle. So this would be a really good test of uh, Villa's second string and a, a win's a win. Yeah, a win's a win. And it's as far as development goes, that's, I think, the best case scenario, right? Yeah, exactly. You want to use this cup to win, namely. You want to use it to build plans. And you want to use it to give minutes, you know, first team minutes to these youth products who have got a lot of talent. I mean, we've had some fantastic youth products come through in the you know past ten years that haven't made the grade, and I think this is probably one of our best youth classes of recent memory that I can think of. I mean, we had a Dalfonso Baker Gardner Clark class, and that didn't really turn out that well. The Grealish class, I think you only got Jack Grealish and Andre Green out of that. 
and this one is with uh, Hepburn Murphy, Davis O'Hare, Doyle Hayes, Sullivan. It's you know, there's a lot of talent. And Mitch Clark as well, and Sarkic in goal. There's a lot of talent that could come come through to this first team, and giving them the cup games along with some first team stars. It's the way to go. I feel completely. And you know, the further that they do uh, in these kind of cup matches, the I think the more chance we'll get of seeing them in in the league, right? And so. Um, that's that's the thing the best you can hope for, and I almost imagine if it had been not for timing and under twenty one matches, we might have seen Callum O'Hare yesterday as well. So that's yeah. only it's only positive, right? And that's how good of a feeling is that? It's a Sunday. It's early yet still. There's time to to rejoice, and you know we didn't have our ruined uh, weekends from a terrible bloody match. No, yeah, and you haven't paid, you know, whatever, you know, if you paid your season ticket or you pay for your ticket or your ABTV. Or even your internet connection just to watch a uh, Villa game, just to see him get beat. I know what it's like with the Cleveland Browns. You pay for that game, you pay for that game pass. It's like a hundred and forty-five odd pounds, and you just watch them lose every single game. It's agony, even if you're overseas. It's agony, and you know it's not discounted if you're on watching it on TV. We all know that. So yeah, yeah. I mean we all get a good weekend. We get the cup match to look forward to, and we'll see. We will probably see Callum O'Hare start. 90 minutes and that's brilliant i think he's a real a real shining star so far yeah and and I, Callum. he just uh, youth and speed i think goes such a long way and there's an attacking presence to him that it reminded me of graylish when he broke in ages and ages and ages ago where it's it's exciting and i think he makes the other teams worry and they have to kind of game plan for him in a sense that that's not something we've seen a lot of at villa for the last couple of years yeah, definitely. Uh, O'Hare seems uh, he lit up that Colchester game in real difficult and adverse circumstances. But we'll have the uh, run of the pitch when we come home to Villa Park on Tuesday. But yeah, after that we have uh, got more serious action. We head up to Bristol, head down to Bristol even to face Bristol City on a Friday night. That's televised on Sky or probably where I think it's on ESPN three over in the states. I'm not sure where you'll catch it, Ronson. Probably, uh, probably through the uh, through the app or ABTV or or whatever I can to do there. Fair enough. Well, it should be. I mean, if it's um, screened on a TV, it should uh, be broadcast or syndicated on something you can reach surely. But yeah, this is an important game. If Filla travel to this match playing negatively, that's the bubble burst again, right? Yeah, and it's it's that kind of part of the year where you do get that roller coaster of of reaction. And I think that's something that we're going to get certainly until October. We So when we head down to Bristol and we lose, say we lose three, well, I think it was 3-1 last time we played Bristol away. Um, that was one of the nails in the coffin for Di Matteo. Would it be one of the nails in the coffin for Steve Bruce if we were to lose on Friday? Badly. <laughs> Badly? That's a big one. Say, say if it's 3-1. I think Again. you. I think you still give him a. I think you still give him a chance because. Yeah. In in his defense, like I, it's not like I'm married to the guy, but. Yeah. In his defense, with Kojo Grealish and Yednak out for for the first stretch, I feel like he has a defense in saying, you know, I've tried to build this this team to what my idea is for his tactics, and he hasn't necessarily been able to put that forward yet. And with such a good performance at Villa Park yesterday, I think he can point at those two things and say. You've got to give me time. You've got to give me an opportunity where, you know, maybe if we didn't look as good yesterday and we didn't have a couple of posts and we didn't have a couple of guys edging back from injury, well, then I think he's on a lot, you know, 
shorter of a uh, boardwalk, right? Yeah. Um, I think if we get hammered, if we set up like we played against Reading and try not to get involved in the match and we lose, we're back to square one, aren't we? And uh, till last until October, but nothing will, it'll just be a horrible atmosphere online and, you know, out of the stadium again. You don't want that. You just want this, positive, you just want this culture that moves forward, win, lose or draw. And you don't have that if you don't set up to win or get a result out of games. Um, the problem is it is an away game, so I feel like Steve Bruce won't carry those ideas from Norwich in. I mean, maybe we can expect to see Hurrahan start again. We'll definitely expect to see Hurrahan start, sorry. But um, the problem is, what if Davis isn't in the team anymore? What if Andre Green's back on the bench? What if we are? What if we're still playing Alan Hutton? You know what I mean? Yeah. If we haven't no, learned from, from our mistakes, then uh, back to square one. And that's my big fear because it's an away game. And uh, Steve Bruce knows that these away games are really tricky for us. For whatever reason, we can't get things done away from home. And that's a real concern. Now, the, the pitch is the same size. They mm-hmm. wear the same shoes. Yep. Um, I have no idea how to explain his inability in that in that regard. So unless he finds a way not to build off the Norwich match, I in that case, maybe I would support that idea of, of maybe getting on him a little bit more do you know what i mean yeah it's like i'm i'm game with setting up defensively for away games because the home team is expected to go at you a bit more expected to be aggressive so you're going to counter and go hang on we're going to hold on to the ball we're going to frustrate the team but steve bruce played right into reading's hands by pushing he did play did i mean the heat maps and touch maps show the ball was in our half but we weren't keeping possession we, we, we didn't want any of the ball. We just stayed away from it. And, it, you know, trying to do that and trying to set up in that fashion where you're going to spring forward on the counter-attack, it won't work. Um, not for us at the moment, anyway. And I'm, I'm really concerned um, because, it's, as I said, it's an away game. Um, we don't do well when it's not at Villa Park. And a big concern for me is that we don't learn anything from Norwich and we go into this and, you know, it's a tepid draw or it's a 3-1 to Bristol or a 1-0 to Bristol. I would so much rather on, on away days that they would try to win 7-6 instead of just, as Steve Bruce would say, back exactly. down the hatches. I would rather them yeah. try and win 7-6 or 10-9. I don't care. Like, I think that would almost be better for them the way that you know their talent is. Yeah. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but I think that would be a better approach. Yeah, like I said, I mean, you set back defensively for away games because it's obvious what's going to happen and you attack at home and uh, I just want Villa to do something to be honest in away games because I just look to fold you know like a house of cards just drop and uh, I just want to see them do something complete honestly everything on the table just do if you're going to do anything just do something rather than uh, they just didn't want any of the ball against Reading that's a big mistake just not wanting to get involved in the game starting too late you've got to have a plan from the get go whether you're going to park the bus, whether you're going to play possession football or whether you're going to hoof it, just have some kind of plan, something yeah. to exploit in the other team. And if we don't, it's a, it's going to be another tepid game. Did it, almost re- did it almost remind you of um, Roy Hodgson and England over uh, over Iceland with just the same frustrating garbage? Yes. Yes, in the sense that you expect so much more from such a smart person and a genuine managerial talent in charge you know steve bruce has been around he you, it's weird because in football it seems like managers get stupider with age and i mean that's <laughs> that's yeah. really like 
Capello was a great talent, you know, managing Milan and all the teams he was in charge of. Juventus, I think, uh, you know, he, when he was in charge of England, that's amazing. And he failed. Roy Hodgson, best season ever with Fulham when that, that great escape was incredible. That's something that I'll never forget. Um, he wasn't bad in any club he's been in. Liverpool was a bit dodgy, but, t- you know, in the 90s with Switzerland and across Europe, he's a real, genuinely good manager. As he got older, and that in- his England team were dire. Yeah. And St- same with Steve Bruce. It's like, what's going on? Like, uh, you, it seems like everyone wants younger managers, and it's weird because you feel like the younger managers haven't got experience, like Wagner and Klopp, Guardiola. Melberg, as you were saying earlier. Yeah, exactly, Melberg. All these young managers seem to get, you know, we want the young managers, but it, it, it's like a real irony in my head. It doesn't really work out because you'd expect the older managers to have more experience and know-how, and it just seems to fall apart for them. Yeah, and it might be even just a stubbornness thing that they think that, well, if mm. it worked 10 years ago, then they, they haven't seen that. enough of a change, right? You know. Yeah, and football's fluid as well. New ideas win. That's yeah. simple. You come up with something new. Except if you're like Blantra playing for uh, Northern Ireland when he deployed the first ever wall in front of a free kick and Italy just buried it over him into the goal. Um, new ideas usually work in football. You know, if you can find an exploit or a, a new way to play or at least a way to counter the other team, then you win. And I think older managers seem to be against doing things that aren't really tried and tested. But if they yeah. tried and tested, the problem is that they've been done here, done everywhere. So. Yeah, and I think with 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 age and management comes um, a range of experience that you can rely on that doesn't need new ideas that becomes vulnerable to people with new ideas. Exactly, like you line up Bruce against uh, Wadiola or Klopp, and Bruce might pull off the win, you know, three or four times out of ten. I'd give the uh, majority of the wins to the younger manager, and that might sound like a huge prejudice. But if you look at all the talent across the globe, except for Wenger, maybe a lot of the uh, managerial, manager, managerial talent even is quite young, and Villa uh, seem to be an outlier in that. I mean, Warnock's killing it with Cardiff, but Ipswich and McCarthy are doing good right now, but it doesn't seem like something that can carry on, especially due to uh, what expected goals are telling us about their rate of finishing. Supernatural that's, right of feeling even. That's why I think it would be beneficial for clubs, especially like Villa, to promote more from within and develop somebody yeah. from a young age that that can step up and have new ideas that isn't going to be antiquated by the time that they reach the point of being in charge. Yeah, and I mean every big club has a way of playing football. And you know, you have your Arsenal way, you have your Juventus way. You have your Milan way. Everyone, every big club has an identity that they play football with, and that's not the case for Villa. Even Huddersfield had their own identity <laughs> last season, um, especially Newcastle as well. All these teams had their own on-pitch identity, and Steve Bruce is uh, quite the chameleon in that we change styles and identities so often. And I think it's time to settle down and stick to our best and uh, build something here. And Steve Bruce can be the man to build something for the future. We can learn from him, but it doesn't seem like it's going that way. And I, th- I think a good youth class is where that starts, because if you have a group of young players who can come up together and, and yeah. learn a certain way, or you you know exploit their talents as a youth class so that it only you know gets better and better and better as they move on, and then when you buy new players and bring new people in, 
they fit with those players and you don't have to tell your young academy kids a new way of doing things. And I think that's where you have to start. And I think hopefully with the class that we have, you know, right now, I think that might be a bit of hope. Yeah, I mean, individual player talent, I feel, is something that is quite overrated in the sense that, yes, you know, one time out of ten, a great player will win you a game. But I think you need to bring through people who have got chemistry. Like the class of 92, for example, in United, first game they played, they lost against Villa, ironically. And uh, Hansen said you can't win anything with kids. Now, Nicky Butt, Phil Neville, and to an extent, Gary Neville are not the most talented players you'll ever see. If they came through on their own at Villa now, you would probably not see them make much of an impact in the first team. But if you put them all together, so you've got Phil Neville, Gary Neville, Nicky Butt, Paul Scholes, all those people together, Ryan Giggs as well. You know, it's all that chemistry builds together. They've played through. They're playing a certain style of football. They know how to play together and they know how to win games. And the more people you can bring through from a class, you know, all that chemistry goes somewhere and it demonstrates demonstratable on the pitch. Yep. Perfect. Well, anything else from you, Ronson, today? I think it's just good that we have some hope. It's a Sunday yeah. afternoon or, you know, it's it's there's some hope. And I think watching the Norwich match really kind of left me thinking that, you know, if we do manage promotion this year, it's it might not be hopeless with what we can do at Villa Park. And if we can kind of, you know, keep our shoes on at away games then then maybe there's there's real hope moving forward with you know young players making a break and we have guys coming back from injury really soon and an international break coming up where we can kind of set new things forward so it's great timing coming up as well yeah i mean hopefully we weren't reading up into too much doom at reading or too much joy at norwich there's a bit in between i think it's very it's okay to have some hope but it's also okay to uh, temper your expectations from the past but I'd say, yeah, have a bit of hope going forward. It's a weekend. Enjoy your weekend. And, yeah, you can go into the next week hoping a bit for a tiny bit more from Villa each and every week now. And if we fail, so be it. We've, we were used to it by this point, wouldn't you say, Ronson? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing new to us. But, yeah, it's nice to go into the weekend with a little bit of hope. So, yeah, that's it all from myself, James Rushton, at Jammy Rushton on Twitter and Ronson for this week. So where can people find you? Ronson. Uh, yeah, best place to find me would be on Twitter. My uh, handle is Ronson1313 or 1313 if you like. Perfect. Yeah, excellent to have you on the show. That's all from me and all from the 112. That's 112th episode of the Hulk has been going on for a very long time now. And we'll catch you next Sunday after the Wigan and Bristol games heading into the international break. Catch you later. Bye.